The NHL has started to announce its finalists for various awards. The playoffs are heating up, and we've got our women's hockey spotlight looking at the PHF awards and free agency. We've got all that and more on today's Locked On NHL. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. want to thank everyone for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop on your podcatcher of choice or on YouTube. I'm Gil Martin. You can find me on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I, and Every Friday, I am joined by Rachel Donner. You can find her on Twitter at rmiriam. And uh, Rachel, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Man, some fun round two action. Excited to talk about that as well. Oh, yeah. Got to love it. And, uh, you know, the the deeper you get into the playoffs, the more intense it, it, it tends to get. And I always enjoy this time of year. The only thing is now we're getting into nights where there's only one game, maybe two. You know, I, I kind of like having four games a night. That that was always kind of intense and exciting as yep. well. Yeah, the first round, I think, is always the most fun, especially for impartial observers. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But let, let's get started with the NHL awards. They are starting to announce the finalists for various awards. Let's start with the Calder uh, no surprise with the three finalists, Maddie Beneers of the Kraken, Owen Power of Buffalo, and Stuart Skinner of the Edmonton Oilers. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm actually a little surprised here. I think Maddie Beneers, no question. And I think there's an argument to be made for Owen Power and Stuart Skinner, but that left Wyatt Johnson from the Dallas Stars, who's had a successful playoffs so far. Matias Michelli of the Arizona Coyotes, uh, both tremendous regular seasons. And to see them on the outside looking in uh, when, you know, I, I can see why they tried to fit a goalie into the conversation here. But at the same time, you have those two really strong skaters. And so when the final vote tallies come out after the awards are named, I will be very curious to see what those ballots look like. Yeah, I will be too. And I think it'll be close. I, I definitely think mm-hmm. it'll be one of those close uh ballots and and a lot of the time based on geography these splits come down a little funny and you you get some interesting results let's put it that way yeah how about the selkie uh i mean patrice bergeron seems to be nominated almost all the time uh mitch marner uh of toronto and then uh nico heshire of uh of new jersey any surprises there not really, but I'm I'm actually really excited to see Nico Heischer be a regular part of this conversation now because I think he is the guy that's going to take the mantle from Patrice Bergeron in this category. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to win it this year. I feel like there's a lot of emotional sentiment around Bergeron. Yeah. 
this in this regular season in particular. I mean, you know, playoffs aside in terms of what happened with Boston, that regular season was such a tremendous accomplishment. And Bergeron was a huge part of that. And so I feel like he still has that cachet from this year. But with Nico Heischer, I think he's the Selkie perennial nom uh, moving forward. Yeah, changing of the guard, uh, so to speak. And I, I always like the Selkie Award because these are your, you know, this is something that you don't get recognized for a lot over the course of the regular season. And then when it comes to a close, you know, to have them recognize the best defensive forward I always thought was important. Yeah, I think, you know, it's starting to get um, interesting in terms of these, you know, offensive forward, defensive forward. Is it a two-way forward? Uh, the right. same conversation happens with the Norris, right? Mm -hmm. uh, do you reward offensive defensemen as seems to be the case? nowadays or like where's the art of actual defensive defensemen you know is that is that a lost thing and is that okay I think there's a conversation to be had there I always thought there should be a defensive defenseman award you know maybe the Rod Langway award or whoever you want to <laughs> name it after but I, I think that not a bad choice there what was that not a bad choice there for yeah I, I think that skill set that is so important to teams especially in the playoffs should be recognized and and because the norris always goes to an offensive minded defenseman almost almost uh the lady bing uh jack hughes and jake kopitar and Braden point interesting three finalists your thoughts there I think they should throw out the Lady Bing Award. I think it's outlived its usefulness. Um, and I honestly don't care who wins it. <laughs> I mean, if it's just like, look up who has a bunch of points and no penalty minutes, and that's your criteria, like, what is the point of that award? Really? When there's <laughs> other things out there that can be awarded in a fun way. And, you know, where's the best forward line award? I think that would be fun. You know, I would add that. that would be yeah. Good. There's all sorts of interesting things you can do when the Lady Bing tells you nothing, really. <laughs> it tells you who got very few penalty minutes is what it tells you. Okay. There's always, I always like the Lady Bing. You get a trophy for that? I mean, come on. You get on. a trophy for that. But it, 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 you know, there's irony in the Lady Bing. Uh, in, in this very physical, very tough sport. The only one of the four major North American professional sports that, that, uh, you know, fighting is part of the game, although less a part now than it certainly was years ago. But, you know, to have that most gentlemanly player award given, I don't know, there's a, there's a nice irony to it. Yeah, give it to the defenseman who hands a stick over to the goalie most often. I don't care. <laughs> I love it. All right, the Norris Trophy, best uh, defenseman. Uh, I think we all know who's going to win this one, but the, the finalists are... Uh, Adam Fox, Eric Carlson, and Kale McCarr. Yeah, if Eric Carlson doesn't win this, uh, I think there's going to be some heads turning. There's going to be an investigation, I think, if he doesn't win it. Uh, just far and away, I, I, I think. Uh, or, I mean, just a record-setting kind of a year. I, I definitely think he has to be the top consideration. Yeah, absolutely. So we have uh, some exciting games last night, and uh, 
bit of a surprise. The Florida Panthers go into Toronto and they're up two games to nothing after coming away with a three to two win. And uh, I, I can just hear all the noise in Maple Leafs Nation all the way from New York. Yeah, I think it is interesting, especially considering in Thursday night's game, how strong the Leafs started out, where, you know, to me for Florida and Toronto to split in Toronto actually made sense to me. Uh, You know, the Leafs have been a little inconsistent. And while they did, you know, pull it out in that first round, I still think you know, there was a, a little bit of, a, you know, an emotional high to get over and a little hangover from that series. You're like, oh, great. Now, like, we have to play round two now. So <laughs> I, expect, I expected, you know, a little bit of wavering. But I felt like, you know, at the beginning of that game last night, I, I thought they had it together. But the Panthers are a team that is just finding a way to win. They are. They they fell behind 2 nothing just five minutes, 10 seconds into the game. And then they just started to eat away at that lead took the lead late in the second period and did not relinquish it. And look, I think we have to talk a little bit about Sergei Bobrovsky because, you know, he didn't even start the playoffs as their number one goalie. That was uh, Alex Lyon. And now, you know, 35 saves. He played a heck of a game last night. Yeah, I think so. I think he's having you know a little bit of a resurgence here, and you know I think Leafs fans, some of them, not all, but some are saying, well, Bobrovsky is stealing games from the Leafs, and you know, but you also have to score goals. I, I think that you know a team as talented as the Toronto Maple Leafs should be able to find a way to to win these games, and you know I, I still think the Leafs. Are, and the Panthers are going to split when they go down to Florida. I think that's the way it'll go, and it'll go back up to Toronto for for the next game. Yeah, I, I think that is a, a very real possibility. Now, the other game, <clears throat> the Dallas Stars, even their series with the uh, Seattle Kraken, beating them 4-2, to two, and Joe Pavelski, five goals already in the playoffs. Evgeny Dodonov, four goals. Tyler Sagan, five goals. This team is, is finding ways to put the puck in the net. Absolutely. I mean, I think both teams are, to be fair. I think we're getting some scoring from unexpected places or less expected places, I would say, with some of the younger guys, uh, the aforementioned Wyatt Johnson of the Stars and Ty Cartier of the, the Kraken. Uh, he scored his second NHL goal of his career last night. But I think that um, while the Kraken have sustained periods of really high pressure, Dallas is now kind of figuring them out a little bit. And I think especially the way the Kraken played in their first series uh, provided a lot of opportunity for Dallas to to figure out how to adjust to this team, which has so many different kinds of approaches to from their zone breakouts to how they structure themselves defensively. And I think just Dallas is a really smart team with a good mix of youth and veterans that can adjust. And they are doing just that. That I think that series is going at least six, maybe seven. Yeah. It should be very competitive. Well, we've got a lot more to get to on today's show. Erica Ayala stops by next with our bi-weekly women's hockey segment, talking about the PHF awards and free agency. But first, Rachel, why don't you tell us about eBay Motors? 
For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know that part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, now we go to Eric Ayala with our Women's Hockey Spotlight. Hey, hey, what do you say, hockey fans? Erica L. Ayala here, your host of Locked On Kraken and contributor to Locked On NHL for the Women's Hockey Spotlight that comes to you every other Friday. Now, on today's Women's Hockey Spotlight, we're going to talk about the PWHPA. They have a little bit of news as well as a series, a showcase series happening in Tampa. We're going to talk about the rivalry series and who won the seven the seven-game series between the United States and Canada. And, of course, we'll talk about Captain Canada and a little bit of history that she made. And we will close out the Women's Hockey Spotlight talking about the Premier Hockey Federation and the games to watch for the weekend. Let's start with good friend Haley Salvian. I've had her on Locked on Kraken before. Haley Salvian for The Athletic broke that the PWHPA is organizing a formal union and they are negotiating with their investor group at the moment. This signals a closer step for the PWHPA to becoming a full-blown hockey league. Right now they do a barnstorming group and they're different from the PHF in that they have showcases. Again, we'll get into that in a little bit, but there's no set in stone timeline for when the PWHPA's new league will uh, get going, but this is what Jaina Hefford, PWHPA consultant, had to say. We want to see our vision of a professional league, league become a reality as soon as possible, but we're not willing to compromise on doing it right. So don't know what that means just yet, but it is great news for the athletes in particular that there will be a formal union. Now, the PHF has a players association, but they are not formally a union. The CWHL didn't have a union. The NWHL before it uh, did not have a union. So this is a huge step and we cannot wait to see more details. Now, speaking of the PWHPA, they do have a showcase and that will be coming to Tampa Bay. Now we've talked about this before, but it's going to be an exciting showcase and you've got Team Scotiabank versus Team Harvey's. They will play today. That's at 12 p.m. Then you also have Team Sonnet versus Team Adidas at 3 p.m. today, February 24th. On the 25th, Adidas versus Scotiabank at 1 p.m. and Team Sonnet versus Team Harvey's at 4 p.m. And then finally on Sunday, Harvey's versus Scotiabank at 11 a.m. and uh, Team Adidas versus Team Sonnet at 2 p.m. Those are all Eastern Standard Time. And you can watch on CBC Sports. 
So that's what's going on with the PWHPA. Let's switch gears and talk a little bit about the Rivalry Series. Now, we've talked about this before, but the Rivalry Series is essentially an exhibition tour between the United States and Canada this year, 2022-23. It was a seven-game series. They played in Seattle. They played in Nevada. They were just in Quebec. So they've traveled between the two countries and into a few different markets. And while the United States had an early start, three games consecutive in the beginning, it was Team Canada that was able to complete the back end sweep. There were games Monday and Wednesday of this week, again, both in Quebec and both were dominating performances by Team Canada. 5-1 on Monday, and then another five goals to none on Wednesday. Now, on Monday's game, Marie-Philippe Poulin was able to uh, get to 200 career points for Team Canada whilst wearing the Maple Leaf. She becomes only the fifth player in Team Canada history to do that alongside Haley Wickenheiser, Jana Hefford, who we just mentioned with the PWHPA, Carolyn Willette, who is a bench boss for the senior national team, and Danielle Goyette. So, and Renee Debien had another fantastic performance for Canada, especially, or she played Wednesday, and it is a dominating performance right before World Championships. Now, again, this is a friendly, there technically was a trophy, but we also have to keep in mind that the United States was without their captain, Kendall Coyne-Schofield, excuse me, suffered an injury and was not with the team. There are also a lot of young players. And so both teams, uh, Troy Ryan is the head coach for Canada. And then you have John Roblowski uh, or Robleski, excuse me, for the United States. Both know that this is still an evaluation period. We're right at the beginning of a new cycle or four-year period quad, as it's sometimes called. And so not necessarily anything to worry about, we did get to see Aaron Frankel in net for the United States on Monday. We've talked about that in women's hockey uh, spotlight before. So it was good to see some young talent. Also very evident that the United States and Canada in some respects are still very raw. So line combinations, defensive pairings, who's going to be the go-to goalie, who's going to even make the roster come world championships all up for grabs. World Championships will be hosted by Canada in Brampton in early April. And so you're going to want to stay tuned right here on Women's Hockey Spotlight so we know who's making the roster. Uh, probably know that in a little over a month's time, end of March, and we'll talk about it as we get ready for another Women's Worlds. Finally, in closing for this women's hockey spotlight. Let's take you to the Premier Hockey Federation. Now, last time I was on here, I told you I had a hunch about what the PHF was going to do for playoffs. They finally announced what is happening with playoffs. The top four teams will make the playoffs and the semifinals will actually be a series. This is a return to a series. The PHF formerly known as the National Women's Hockey League, did have a three-game series in the semifinals and in the finals. The Isabel Cup finals, plural, used to be a thing. This year, we're only going to have a one-and-done winner-take-all for the Isabel Cup final, but 
we will have series in the semifinals and Boston, the Boston area and Toronto will be hosting. And right now, the only two teams that have clinched one of the four spots are the Boston Pride and the Toronto Six. Now, we don't exactly know if these will be the final standings. You can see here that the Boston Pride right now is in first place and they are followed up by, of course, the Toronto Six, Minnesota Whitecaps holding that third place spot, and then the Connecticut Whale right now in fourth. Regardless of if Toronto ends the regular season first or Boston ends the season regular season at first, either one of those teams will host. They've earned the right to host and have home ice, and they will host in their home cities. So no, Toronto won't host at Boston as the top seed in case that wasn't clear. But what we do know is it's still a fight for the last two spots. And right now in the driver's seat, holding on and in control of their own destiny is the Minnesota Whitecaps. Now they lost a weekend series last weekend to Buffalo. And if you notice, the Buffalo Buttes are at the bottom of the barrel. They've been having lots of what appears to be turmoil. Two players were released from their contracts, mutually released from their contracts. It's been a little bit of a mess, but they did get the weekend sweep over Minnesota, playing spoiler to the Whitecaps, who are very close to clinching one of those four playoff spots. Then you have Connecticut. They will play the Metropolitan Riveters on Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, but they only have one game this weekend, whereas the Minnesota Whitecaps have two shots to get some points and clinch that third place spot. So it's going to be exciting. I will be on the call on ESPN Plus or TSN Plus if you're in Canada, for the Toronto-Minnesota series. So you're not going to want to miss that. I just had my 100th broadcast for the Premier Hockey Federation League overall. It took seven seasons to get to 100 broadcasts, but here we are. And so I'm very excited to continue on throughout the regular season, and you'll probably hear and see me in the postseason as well. All right, that's going to do it, folks, for our women's hockey spotlight here on Locked on NHL. Again, you can follow me at elindsay08. That's E-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-08 for all things Seattle Kraken and, of course, women's hockey. Let me send you back over to Gil and Rachel. Want to thank Erica Ayala for our bi-weekly women's hockey segment. Always great to hear from her. We've got a lot more to get to. We've got some exciting weekend action coming up and some odd scheduling as well. Plus our first look ahead at the NHL draft lottery. So Rachel, uh, only one game tonight in the NHL. That's a little bit strange after the first round being as busy and as crazy as it was, but it's uh, New Jersey and Carolina and, uh, you know, Carolina taking the early advantage in this series. Your thoughts about tonight? 
Yeah, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see how quickly the Devils can adjust. We saw their ability to do that in the first round against the Rangers after losing the first two. Will it take them two games? Uh, I don't know. I think they'll adjust faster this time around. And I see that this game, too, is being a lot more competitive. I think so, too. They adjusted very well. And these teams are very, very evenly matched. I mean, we didn't know who was going to win the division until, what, the last or before last game of the season. So, uh, right. you know, th th this is going to be a long series in my mind. Only one game on Saturday as well. Edmonton in Vegas to face VGK. And uh, right now, the Golden Knights have the early advantage in this series. Yeah, the, the Oilers kept hanging in there, but somehow Vegas uh, was able to overcome that in game one. And having this game delayed by a day, uh, I have never been outraged on behalf of Edmonton Oilers fans before. But here we are because uh, the the game got rescheduled and so many Oilers fans had made travel plans to Vegas. And we had fans, you know, either they're going to miss this game because they thought they were going to be on a plane home or they've had to spend, you know, hundreds or even thousands of dollars extra to reschedule flights and change hotel rooms and uh, that is just really unfortunate and kind of a, a, a significant snafu from the league. Yeah, you, you want to make things as convenient and as easy for fans as possible when they're forking over lots of money for tickets and making plans. And you, you don't like to see that. Plus, you want to get the series into a rhythm whenever right. possible as well. Now, you know, Sunday, three games on tap and one of them, some odd scheduling in this Toronto, Florida series now as it switches to Florida. Right. And, you know, because the Miami Heat are still in the NBA playoffs, it seems like they tried to schedule these games on different that would be in Florida on different days than the Heat were playing. And that just creates three day breaks between games. And it really, to your point, you know, just halts the momentum of the series and I think it could have a, an impact on you know recovery times and ability of teams to maintain momentum yeah I mean Florida's up two to nothing and then they go back to Florida they have to wait an extra day then they have to wait two days in between games three and four uh you know to me if I'm the Florida Panthers I want to get back on the ice as soon as possible right now absolutely uh, the other games on Sunday, Carolina in New Jersey for game three. That's a 3.30 Eastern time start. And then Dallas and Seattle meeting again at 9.30 Eastern time. So it should be, even though there's only one game Friday and one game Saturday, uh, Sunday very busy and it should be a very, very entertaining weekend of hockey. Yeah, I think we'll have a big idea by Sunday uh, end of night uh, where these series could be going. Yeah, no question about that. And, and you know, it's hard to believe only eight teams left. And we're getting closer and closer to figuring out, you know, who the two teams in the Stanley Cup final will be. And, you know, with Boston losing and, and there are so many teams that people thought would make long runs that are already gone. I know. Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to you know, overdo it with uh, being mean about Boston, but uh, it's very hard not to when you have grown up. 
despising Boston teams. But man, I do feel bad for those fans because this was a magical season, right? And, you know, to just have it end abruptly like that uh, with so much hope and so much confidence, uh, it's, yeah, it's got to be rough. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's like a slap in the face, uh, you know, for fans who are just expecting so much. And you talk about the record-setting season, and they were making comparisons to the 76-77 Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, that all goes out the window when you don't win the, the Stanley Cup. So uh, definitely some changes there. And draft lottery for those teams that did not make the playoffs, uh, it's coming really soon your your thoughts as we approach the draft lottery and all these teams that have tanked for Bedard we get to see who who's going to be able to draft him yeah i you know as somebody who covers the flyers i the odds are very slim but they're not nothing and so there's always a chance as they say and i think you know, uh, there are so many different ways this could go. And uh, I had actually done a little bit of math. And in the 28 total lotteries that the NHL has had so far, 13 of them, someone moved up to get the top pick. So that's a pretty high number. Almost half. Yeah. And uh, there were three top picks that were eventually traded away in the lottery era, Um, one infamously leading to Pittsburgh uh, drafting Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, So that had a significant impact on the league. And, you know, I think that obviously all of these teams, you know, Flyers included, would love to see Connor Bedard in their jersey but i think you know a couple surprise teams that could make an impact i mean what if the washington capitals win that lottery i mean (laughs) what an impact would that have having ov and bedard on the same team yeah that would be wow uh for for fans in washington for sure do you think they should change the draft lottery in any way the way it's structured the way they do it yeah, I don't think anybody outside the top five should get the the number one pick overall. Uh, and that's the way it started. And I think, yeah. you know, uh, I, they've overcomplicated it over the years. And uh, I really think that if you're trying to have parity and you want to, you know, have games later in the season mean something, like y- you want to do something different and you want to really give those teams that are struggling a way out of it faster. And I I think that's by just reducing, you know, even if you, you allow any of those lower teams to move up to the number two pick, I think that's fine. But the number one overall should go to a five worst team. See, I like what you say. I think it's fair. I think it makes the most sense, but the league wants the most interest possible in the draft lottery, wants more teams to be uh, and more fans to be anxious to see it and to be involved in it. And that's why I think they switched it up. But I think your way is fairer. Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, like I've said before, sports are never fair. You're never going to have 
ab something be absolutely fair in the world of sports. And so you just do the best you can. And I think that, you know, my way of just for the first overall, it's got to be one of the five worst teams for the second overall, it goes down to the 10th worst team. And I think that's as fair as you're going to get. I, I think that totally makes sense. Well, uh, Rachel, I'm looking forward to a great weekend of hockey action. Thanks for uh, being my co-host and always great working with you. I want to thank everyone for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Every dayers, I will be back on Monday with the three of our local hosts talking about some of the big stories from around the league, obviously concerning the Stanley Cup playoffs. Have a great weekend, everybody, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.